I'm Kendall. And I'm Kylie. And you're listening to Smitten, a podcast about love stories in all shapes and sizes. Hello! <laughs> Episode two. Woohoo! We made it. We're here. And we forgot a lot of things last to, time to mention. So, in our defense, <laughs> <laughs> we were just, you know, first time on air. Nope. Anyways, you know, we just, we, we get it. Uh, hindsight is 2020, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so we wanted to clarify and uh, explain that we both use she, her pronouns. Yeah. Yep. We both use she, her pronouns. We are both women. 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 We also decided that we are going to be switching who goes first, switching on and off. So uh, this week, I, Kylie, will be telling my story first. Yeah. Yep. We also uh, didn't address the fact that our names are Kendall and Kylie. <laughs> like the Jenners. Yeah. Basically, we are. This is our coming out story as <laughs> Kylie and Kendall Jenner. Please don't sue us. I know. Just kidding. Just kidding. But uh, it, is, it is funny. But I are. think it's funny, too, because I'm... Kylie, but I'm older and taller, mm-hmm. which is the opposite of the actual of the real ones. Well, the the thing is, I'm Kendall, and I actually am a supermodel. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a billionaire. Yeah, dang it. No, it is funny. I mean, yeah. I don't think that I have anything in common with Kendall Jenner, but who knows? Yeah, I don't. I don't know her. Like maybe that. one day. I know. Um. Some other housekeeping. <laughs> we um, we included, if you go to our website, smittenpodcast.com, we have some charities that we've linked up there um, on the main home page. So we'll be switching those up probably monthly or maybe in uh, conjunction with the themes that we choose. Mm-hmm. So right now we have a few... A few charities relating to Black Lives Matter or um, I think there's some black slash or black trans LGBTQ Mm -hmm. charities up there. So feel free to take a look. And if you have any extra money burning a hole in your pocket, you can put it to good use. Yeah. Um, And we are planning on doing something like this before everything in the world kind of happened recently. Um. But we recognize that uh, starting a podcast in the midst of um, all of this social change is uh, a choice. It's a choice. choice. Um, yeah. So we're trying to be as thoughtful as possible. Yeah. Yes. So, um, and I, I think also in this these past few weeks, it's it's been information overload. So using um, whatever platform we have, which is <laughs> very small at the moment, but at least trying to consolidate some some good resources in case mm-hmm. anyone happens to stumble upon it. So yes, use that if you can, if, yes. you, if you want. Um, last thing in the same vein, I guess, or in a similar vein, um, we just wanted to call out that any and all sources that we use are linked and included on our website. Yep. So they're on the same page that you uh, can go to to look at the pictures. So just go to the right episode 
and you will find our sources linked there if you want to go um, look at where we found our research and do any more research of your own if you find anything interesting. Basically, just go to our website, spamplacus.com. <laughs> It'll, you know, have, it's got everything you want, you could ever want. You need to see the pictures. You do. Yeah. It just enhances the story so mm -hmm. much more when you actually have a visual. So Yeah, pictures are my favorite part of anything. Yeah. Let's just stop talking and show a slideshow now. <laughs> Up on so website. we've decided to do a podcast. <laughs> an audio podcast. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so what's, the, what's the theme for this week? Love turned criminal. I'm excited about it. Me too. I like my story. I know. I'm excited to hear your story just because it, I know it's a historical one. So that's intriguing yes. to me. Um, and I, we, as we mentioned last week, we're or last episode, um, we're, we're both huge fans of true crime and my episode, or my, oh my goodness, my story, my episode, this is my episode <laughs> now. Thank you. Bye. Um, <laughs> my story is very true crime. So, I am excited to talk about it, but also it was a little different than I think last week as well as the future mm -hmm. weeks, but yeah. But since we're interested in it, we thought um, other people who are also interested in it might um, want to use this episode as a good gateway to our other episodes. So we are excited and we found some good stories. So, so should we go to our love facts for the week? Yeah, sure. Okay, you go first. You said you had some good love facts, and I'm excited to hear about them. Well, I said I had a funny one. Oh, okay. I'm saving that one for last. It's not, it's not oh. a funny uh, You'll see. Okay. Okay. Um, well, this one is not funny at all, um, which is, well, yes. According to a CDC analysis of murdered women in 18 states from 2003 to 2014, 55% of those women were murdered were murdered by a current or former partner or their partner's family or friends. In fact, strangers committed only 16% of murders. Interesting. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, the, state, the same study cites that Black, Native, and Hispanic women are most likely to die in any kind of homicide. Mm -hmm. um, and... The Atlantic article that talked about the study also talks about an earlier study that reported that five to seven percent of murders committed against men were perpetrated by intimate partners. Hmm. So, I mean, those percentages aren't not surprising, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, wow. My love facts I have two facts that, again, like my last disclaimer with my love facts statistics I think should always be taken with a grain of salt yes so because they can always kind of be swayed to you know whatever but I mean there's no question that anyways I'm gonna move on from that anyways so this is school <laughs> I know come on get on. so um until 1980 it was legal for a husband to kill their spouse if they cheated what yeah so I I think that goes back you know a long yeah long history of you know, the 80s i know which is just Jeez. insane that was only 40 years ago are we There's, surprised no but. right 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 um and then my other and last love fact is that six out of ten crimes of passion occur in the home so it's a very wow. intimate 
and I mean, passion is not the right word, but you know, it's like always an intimate crime that happens in, wait, what did you say? I said, well, if it's karma passion. Right. (laughs) But I don't think it necessarily means it's passionate. It's just like a crime that happens to someone that you're close with in the heat of the moment because. Isn't that what passion is? Sure. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not like intimate passion necessarily. Yeah. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So a Psychology Today article that I read said um, that nearly all male murderers who murder their wives claim that A, they committed the murder out of love, and B, it was a result of loving too much. So we can see how the idea of love gets kind of twisted into these um, Ah. messed up ways and justifications for horrible things. Yeah, that's such an interesting concept to me that, like, they love them so much they wanted to kill them. Like, I don't... Yeah. That doesn't compute to me. Yeah. This the same article was talking about... Um, it was, like, refuting the idea that they do out of too much love or that it's, like, connected to love in any way. It's... Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, but that was interesting. And... This is this is my funny part that's not so funny. Okay. Yeah, also kind of funny. Um <laughs> according to um Crime of Passion Facts for Kids. What? A criminal act in <laughs> a crime of passion is a criminal act in which the perpetrator commits a crime against someone else due to a strong impulse, for example, grief or heartbreak, rather than in a premeditated fashion. For example, the wife may take revenge on a person with whom a husband may have had an affair or vice versa. This is known by the term temporary insanity in the U.S. So that I found at uh, Crime of Passion Facts for Kids. (laughs) That's hilarious that that's the source. Which also reminds me of this story. Not to go on too much of a tangent, but... Um, as I mentioned in the last episode, I am a PhD student, so I know people who um, are TAs, and I myself am a TA, um, but one of my friends in a class that he TA'd for, <laughs> he had somebody turn in a paper where they cited Mesopotamia for kids. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is that funny? Yeah. Yeah. Who makes these websites? Like, (laughs) blah, 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 for kids. Serial killers for kids. (laughs) What? That's our new podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're not going to do true crime, but we'll do serial killers for kids. Yes. Oh, speaking of which, this is um, topical and in the moment right now as we sit in uh, June of 2020. But I wanted to share that... I'm pretty sure there's a serial killer that has been identified in Seattle. What? Yeah, there's the remains that were just found. Yeah, on Alki Beach. So they I found the person who did it. No, no, no. I I just mean like they're they have confirmed that there's killer. Yeah, because there I think there were seven different cases of suitcases that were found. Yeah. So I know. Careful. I know. I know. Does not live in Seattle. I don't. I live. Don't um, tell them where you live. Oh, <laughs> my address is. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh I do God. live in Washington State. What? Why aren't there like a lot in Washington? Ted like, Bundy, um, the Green River Killer. Yeah. I'm sure there's more. Jeez. I lived here. Ted Bundy. Oh, 
I was going to say what school we went to, but I'll, oh, well, okay, we'll cut this out. <laughs> well, he went to University of Washington mostly. Yeah, but we said small liberal arts college. Yeah. <laughs> True. Anyways, um, we'll cut it out. We'll cut it out. Yeah, right. So tell me about your story, Kylie. What, what we got today? All right. So. Oh, wait, let me go to smittenpodcast.com <laughs> to look at the pictures. Everyone head with Kendall to smittenpodcast.com. Yeah. So I'm going to go first this week, as we talked about, uh, and my story is the story of Henriette Caillot, and I kind of dug myself into a hole on this one because, Mm -hmm. like, I'm supposedly supposed to know French, kind of, you know, and so this is a case from France, and there are all these French names, but the thing is, I can, like, kind of read French, but I'm, like, the most American pronouncer of French words ever. (laughs) so uh we're gonna have some fun saying these french names today can't wait uh but anyway henriette i'm gonna call her henriette she was born in paris in 1874 and she was a parisian socialite oh yeah she uh was raised in a self-proclaimed bourgeois family (laughs) oh wow so she was a Parisian socialite, and she is famous for marrying Joseph Caillot, who served as prime or as minister of finance in France, and also as prime minister at one point. Oh. So I couldn't find very much about her early life, um, but at 19, she married a man named Leo Clarity, a French journalist, and they had two children together. And that is the last thing you'll hear about those children. <laughs> I read nothing else about them. Okay. Peace. See ya. Yeah. Bye. Um, So, Henriette was married to Leo, but in 1907, she started an affair with Joseph Cayom. Okay. And so, Henriette was married to Leo, and Joseph was also married to his first wife, who was a woman woman named Bert Guidon. Oh my gosh, that was so good. Um, I think I don't know French. French don't listen to this. Uh, anyway, so uh, Joseph was a French politician. He tended to lean left. He became leader of the radicals and also, as I said, served as prime minister from June 1911 to January 1912. Um, Henriette and Joseph had an interesting relationship from the start since they were both married, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> When they started to um, have a relationship, an affair. When they started to have an affair, thank you. Uh, hang on, I need my glasses. I cannot see. <laughs> a little dirty, but I'll, I'll deal with that later. Okay, so Henriette and Joseph had an interesting relationship from the start since uh, it started as an affair, obviously. And um, Joseph's political career also made things more complicated. Mm. Uh, because he was in the public eye. Yeah. Um, so when it came time for Henriette and Joseph to uh, take the next step and divorce their respective spouses, Henriette got mad at Joseph because uh, he was like in the middle of an election or something and didn't want to have a public divorce. Yeah. So in 1909, she wrote an angry letter to him. Oh, no. And she wrote... With your miserable politics, you trample on both our hearts. You seem to find in that dirty beast, 
politics so, so much pleasure that it means more to you than anything else yeah not her, not his first wife was Got not it. a dirty beast politics was a dirty beast Got it. so even though we think of france as this like free love kind of place yeah uh, relative to the u.s during this period especially divorce was thought of as like a corrupting force of the family and was therefore also unpatriotic so it wasn't a normal thing for politicians to get divorced uh, but finally, Joseph did get divorced, wow. <laughs> and uh, he and Henriette were married in October of 1911. Okay. Um, and by December 1913, Joseph had become the Minister of Finance in okay. France. So by that time, rumors were circulating that their marriage was on the rocks, with Uh-oh. some guesses that Joseph was having another affair. <gasps> Once a cheater, always a cheater. <laughs> Truly. Um, so while all that was going on, this journalist named Gaston Calmet on March 13th, 1914, published one of Joseph Caillot's private letters in a conservative French newspaper called Le Figaro. The letter came to be known by its affectionate closing, Tonjo. So, the letter was from 1901, and it was to, um, I hate that I have to say her name, to Bert, Bert, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, so who eventually became Joseph's first wife, but this was sent to her before they got married, okay. and at that time, Bert was married to someone else, to another oh. politician. So, the letter wasn't really like inherently um, scandalous in terms of their affair. It was more an issue because it had to do with um, Joseph's political career because Joseph was known as uh, this like radical politician Mm -hmm. known to be vocally against this, uh, this income tax bill. Mm -hmm. But in the letter he wrote, are you going to say it in French? No. <laughs> oh, my gosh, no. <laughs> he wrote, um, however, I secured a magnificent success. I crushed the income tax while appearing to defendant. I received an ovation from the center and from the right, and I managed not to make the left too discontented. Uh-oh. And then the letter became even more scandalous because it ended with Tonjo, which... I don't understand. Do you know what? Have you heard of that? No. So I tried to look it up in Google Translate. And what I could find in Google Translate was that it means I know him in Greek. So Hmm. I don't know if that's at all related. But from like the context, (laughs) I could gather that it was um, a term of endearment. Mm. Um, So people, because of this term and because of the... um, use of the informal to instead of vu Mm -hmm. in his letter uh people could tell that he and uh this woman (laughs) were uh more intimate than they should have been interesting as a political leader talking to another political leader's wife well it's like Um, why would they be talking in the first place you know exactly (laughs) exactly uh so so Calmet published this letter when 
Joseph Kyle was married to Henriette. Mm-hmm. So this letter showed that he was being kind of sketchy as a politician and that he was um, having an affair with a married woman. Mm-hmm. And this also wasn't his current wife. So it was just kind of a whole pile of... Uh, it was a mess. Yeah. So the expose was published by Calmet in Le Figaro because the conservative paper didn't like Joseph's more radical politics and they didn't like his support of Germany in the pre-World War I period. Mm. <laughs> so it got even worse because Calmet threatened to publish even more letters that were between Joseph and Henriette when Joseph was still married to Berthe. Oh, gosh. This guy did not cover his tracks well. <laughs> I know. Like, burn your letters. <laughs> Come on. It, it's, it's harder to delete an email than Literally. it is to burn a letter. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So this is just uh, kind of a mess. But mm-hmm. Henriette was pissed. She, A, first and foremost, wanted to protect um, Joseph in his political career, she didn't want Calmet to ruin her husband's uh, career, and she was also kind of embarrassed because these letters were addressed to the person Calmet had had an affair with before he eventually had an affair with her. Yeah. Like, it was another woman. Right. So um, that combined with the fact that more letters could be published that included her own personal details made her real bad. Uh-oh. Yeah, so she was not only afraid for Joseph's political career, but her status in this high society was taken a nosedive because people were like, uh, what's going on? Yeah, wow. So Henriette claimed that she was so upset that she was actually suicidal, (gasps) saying, I thought about killing myself that day when the letter was published. If you only knew what I would have given that day, if someone had asked me, I would have gladly given my life in exchange for the promise that these letters would not see print. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wait, wait, so did they actually go to print? No. Or are we not there yet? Okay. They they do not get printed. Okay. Spoiler but she alert, is <laughs> they do not get printed for a specific reason. Oh. Oh. <laughs> as you'll see. Okay. Um, but she's like she does not want them to be printed. Mm-hmm. Because she went on to publish these, this is a quote from her, to publish these letters or any part of them would have been to lay out all that was most intimate to me, my most intimate secrets, the secrets I hold most dear and most and keep most hidden. It would have been to strip me of my honor as a woman. I had always been told that for a woman to have honor meant to live a life completely above board without liaisons, without adventures, aka her affair with Joseph. <laughs> Extramarital adventures. <laughs> yeah. So uh, not only was Joseph kind of uh, sleazy, but he uh, also wasn't that like attentive apparently to his wives <sighs> because Joseph apparently was oblivious to how much this whole situation was affecting Henriette. So offhandedly, he was like, oh, I'm going to bash Calvet's face in. And so Henriette heard that and she took it literally. Oh, no. Uh, and she later claimed that she, at that point, pictured her husband going to Calmet and hurting him or killing him. And she decided that the only way to prevent it 
was to take matters into her own hands. What? This lady is very dedicated to her husband. Just let him burn. You'll be fine. <laughs> Except it also has her own secrets in it. Yeah. So she's... Okay. I get it. Yeah. I get it. So, on the afternoon of March 16th, 1914, she left a note for her husband before heading to the offices of Le Figaro to confront Calmet. The note said, I realized that your decision to fight Calmet was irrevocable. And so I decided to take my own steps. I'm the one who will do justice. France and the Republic need you. I am the one who will commit the act. Wow. Powerful. (laughs) Yeah. So Henriette marched into Calmet's office and she asked, you know why I have come? And he responded, not at all, madame. And then she pulled out a Browning automatic gun from under her fur coat and shot Calmet six times. Oh, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Go, Henriette. So shocked, uh, Calmet's colleagues at Le Figaro were like, uh, what just happened? And Wait, they were grabbed- they in their room or were they like in another room? They're like, um. It was like an office. So uh, oh. I think they were, they were around. Yeah. Uh, you can see in the. Oh, yep. The La Petite Journal. Yes, exactly. So you can see her and then Joseph and then uh, Calmet. Yeah. So I picture it's some kind of like uh, open concept office. (laughs) (laughs) Open floor plan. Yeah. So they see her shoot him (laughs) and um, they're like, what? So they grab her. But she, uh, being this important um, French socialite, shook them off. And she said, do not touch me. I am a lady. So they backed off. I'm a off. lady who just shot someone six times. Thank you very much. I know. They backed off, but they still called the police. And the police arrived. Um, and they were trying to, you know, get Henriette to go into their um, police car to mm-hmm. go to the station. And she was like, <laughs> she was the original Karen. Uh <laughs> And she said, no, actually, I'm a lady. I have my driver downstairs, and he will drive me to the police station. Thank you. <laughs> I'll see you there in um, my Rolls Royce and my fur coat. Thank you. <laughs> she was wearing literally a fur coat, so <laughs> not surprising. <laughs> um, so she eventually did make it to the police station, and uh, she ended up being jailed at Saint-Lazare, and there, she lived in a private heated cell that Ooh. I think she, I think I read she rented it, which seems kind of weird. I feel like that's a thing. Really? Yeah. Hmm. For important people. Oh. Well, there she also had her own maid, and she was allowed to have special visitation privileges, like eating with her husband in the prison prison director's office. <laughs> so she. Uh, was living life in prison and people were pissed. They were um, so mad that people that there were threats of mutin, mutiny within the prison and like protests within the prison. And also people, like random people out on the street, were like singing songs about her. And people were people were mad. Mm-hmm. An article published on July twentieth, nineteen fourteen, titled "Madame Cayo in Court Over Murder." 
stated that Henriette entered the court today wearing a, a black veil and a velvet hat of the same color and showing great emotion. She was questioned for three hours, often breaking down while giving her statement. She claims she did not intend to kill Mr. Calment. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and declared, <laughs> and declared, these revolvers go off by themselves. <laughs> six times. Yeah, absolutely. I about the six times. <laughs> Judge, I didn't know. It just kept going off and off and off. I just was like, what? And I just pointed it right at him instead of moving it elsewhere so he wouldn't get hit. Sorry. Oopsies. It was all the fur. <laughs> I couldn't see it over my veil. I'm so sorry. <sighs> Won't happen again until someone tries to mess with me. The judge like grants her as guilty and six shots to the to the body once more. <laughs> well, Henriette, being you know a rich important person, mm-hmm. had also a rich important lawyer oh yeah who also happened to represent alfred dreyfus and emile zola during the dreyfus affair oh which i should know more about but i actually i'm an expert (laughs) (laughs) were you gonna tell me what it was no okay i I don't i I don't have any facts to give you truly me neither but that seemed like an important fact sure so i actually uh well i read some of there's actually like a legit historian's book about this case. Wow. Because the argument that her lawyer made was a very interesting and historically relevant one because mm. um, this historian claims his name's Edward Berenson. Berenson. Berenstein. I'm so sorry, all the, all the French speaking people in the world. Really. <laughs> um, anyway, he argues that Henriette's defense rested on an interesting mix of contemporary co- cultural ideas of women's emotional nature and scientific mm. ideas about women's hysteria and nervous minds, drawing specifically on the new science of criminal psychology. Interesting. Berenson says, Madame Caillot made her appeal on two different but related levels. On the one hand, she evoked an older romantic discourse, one that indulged, even idealized, women ruled by their passions. Hmm. And on the other, she invoked a newer scientific language that gave a powerful, almost determining role to the nervous system and unconscious mind. Thus, Madame Caillot moved back and forth in her testimony between literary and scientific images of the crime of passion, appealing to the jury as a heroine of uncontrollable emotions and to the experts as a victim of deterministic laws. Wow. Hmm. What do you think about that? I think that that is a very well-structured defense by her expensive lawyer that was... Do you think it worked? Yes. (laughs) Am I optimistic? The trial started on July 20th. On July 28th, Henriette was acquitted of the murder and released. I call that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, everyone loves to be like, oh my God, she's just a stupid, crazy woman. She's just- Her emotions got the best of her. Yeah. The revolver just went off and she was just like, oops, I was just PMSing. I'm so sorry. You know? So anyways, 
Her lawyer's argument that Henriette did not had not premeditated the murder, but had instead acted out of passion, um, which she couldn't control because she was a woman, oh. was a successful argument. This was one of the first crimes of passion, and it was at the beginning of psychological work on and popular romanticization of crimes of passion. Hmm. Um, and there are debating theories about uh, Henriette's intentions, about whether this actually was premeditated, whether she actually couldn't control herself. Um, so, she, well, Henriette claimed that she killed Calmet to protect her husband and his political career. Journalist, I'm just going to call him Guy. Guy suspected that her actual, his name is Guy. I should clarify. <laughs> I'm just going to pick it and call him Guy. No. But you <laughs> mean like the French pronun- pronunciation. Yeah, like Guy. So that's his name. Uh, so Guy, no, Guy suspected yeah. that her actual intentions may have been, in fact, the opposite. He wrote, this is a very dramatic sentence, the pistol shot that has just killed Gaston Calmet has also killed by ricochet Joseph Caillot. Is this perhaps what the murderess had in mind? <laughs> but she did it to save him. Well, this theory is that perhaps she did it um, to actually kill his political career because she was jealous of his political career. Mm, the ugly beast. The ugly beast, right. Dirty beast? Dirty something. Dirty beast. And it would it would save her ass, right? Because she wouldn't have to get her dirty laundry aired, but then she would still, like, she gets best of both worlds because she got acquitted, so, like, because mm-hmm. she's a, you know, emotional woman. So, okay, yeah. I like that theory. That's an interesting you do. theory. I don't, it makes it more, like, manipulative yeah which is more empowering for her i don't know well the whole idea of premeditated like how far back does it do you have to like plan it for it to be premeditated you know Mm -hmm. because the fact that she like left notes being like i'll be the one to take the actions that seems pretty premeditated you know she didn't just like walk up the steps or walk by the office and be like you know what i'm gonna go shoot him six times and like just randomly have a gun on her right yeah but Um, i don't know what what warrants a premeditation you know one thing that i didn't mention that was like uh evidence that it wasn't premeditated was that she was also like dressed to go to a tea party (laughs) excuse me (laughs) like she had plans to go to she wasn't wearing her murdering outfit (laughs) yeah exactly Uh, that's funny um yeah so i don't know i don't know what i think Hmm. um but regardless of what her intentions were uh as a friend of theirs later wrote these pistol shots welded together two beings who would soon come to hate each other their marriage was their true punishment for the trial had rendered it indissoluble the decision the decision of the jury achieved the status of sacrament i don't really know what that last part means but they ended up hating each other interesting yeah. did he re- did he resent her for what she did i think they eventually got a divorce but i couldn't really find like when or what exactly happened and that's probably because 
literally right after literally right after this world war one started oh yeah yeah so like yeah we got bigger fish to fry (laughs) sorry (laughs) yeah we don't care about henry anymore yeah interesting it's the story wow well for a society that doesn't really like divorces there is a lot of divorces in that those three people's lives (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) or four i guess but if you count the other husband yeah yeah Wow, that was an interesting story. Isn't it? I just think it's so funny. I'm a lady. Don't catch me. I know. It's like... You're a murderer. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Just because you're in your furs. I know. Being all rich and proper. lady. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, that was a good story. I like that story. Good. It was a little confusing, but... No, it was good. There was politics. There was murder... What more could you ask for? Divorces. Yeah. <laughs> Divorces. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I can see where our stories have similar themes, so I'm excited to unpack that. <laughs> okay. Let's um, hear it. All right. Wait, I'm ready to I, hear yours. I'm kind of nervous to talk about it. I don't know why. It's just like it's more recent, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of scary. So the story that I'm going to talk about today is Sally and Richard Shallon. Mm-hmm. And I got um, almost all of this information from a article on The Guardian UK, which I is which I think which is a newspaper or like, you know. Mm-hmm what other newspapers called and i just want to say that they like very in-depthly that i don't know if that's <laughs> weird but they they covered the story in great detail and had a lot of good quotes from the children of this couple and good pictures so i just want to call that out it is linked in the episode section of our website smittenforecast.com <laughs> um and i do want to preface that this um, discusses domestic violence, so content warning for anyone who does not want to listen to that, um, that will be discussed. So, getting into it. <sighs> okay, so Sally, I actually, I think her, her real name is Georgina, but she goes by Sally. Okay. I like that name. I think Georgina is a very pretty name. Mm-hmm. But it, do you ever watch Gossip Girl? No. Okay, well, I, the, like, mean girl or, like, villain is named Georgina. So, anyways. Um, so, Sally and Richard live in Surrey, England. And, um, yeah. So, they met when Sally was 15 and Richard was 22. So, there's quite a large age gap. Wait, can you say those again, that num- those numbers? Sally was 15 and Richard was 22. Oh, my gosh. So that's like me dating a 16-year-old, which is disgusting to think about. So Sally, <laughs> Sally came from an old-fashioned family. Um, her father passed away when she was six, so her mother raised her in Surrey. Am I saying that right? Surrey? I think so. Okay. Sorry if I'm not. But um, her sorry mother raised France her- and England. What? South of For France? This episode. No. Sorry to oh. France and oh. England. <laughs> okay anyway um uh yeah so she uh her mom raised her in surrey along with her four brothers um sally went to school 
through her O levels, which I didn't know what that was. Um, hashtag ignorant American. A levels. I haven't heard of any kind of levels. <laughs> so I are like, wait, what's an O level? Well, I kind of googled it, but um, it just seemed like it. It's like standardized standardized testing in mm-hmm. America, where you like it's examination based and based on what grade you're in and you like okay. move forward through your levels. Uh-huh. But anyways, it just reminded me of Harry Potter <laughs> because they also do like their owls. Anyways, moving on. Um, <laughs> uh, so her mother didn't think that pursuing higher education was a thing for women to do, which is unfortunate. What year was this? Um, 1970s-ish. Okay. And basically yeah, Sally's yeah. Okay. Sorry. Basically Sally's expectation from her family is to do some sort of secretarial work, have a husband, and then pop out some kids. So that's her background. Um, Richard's life, he was very interested in cars and racing and made good money um, doing th- those sorts of things. Relating to cars and racing, uh, whatever that means. Um, and he met Sally through a school friend. Um, I thought funny isn't the right word for this comment, but you know, interesting or I don't know, ironic. But he, his friend met Sally while on a double date, but his friend was already with someone, so she he introduced her to Richard. He was like, oh, I can't date this girl, but maybe you can. So Wait, what? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So Richard's friend met Sally mm-hmm. on a double date. Because she was on a date with someone else. Mm-hmm. And so was he, he already had a girlfriend. Right. Or probably a girlfriend. Yeah. And so he was like, here you go, Richard. Here's this, this <laughs> girl that's like cute and like fun, but I can't date her. So here you go. That is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and then eventually Richard and Sally got married in 1979 and Richard's best man described the marriage as a muted affair. So nothing special really. Hmm. And that Sally was already deeply attached to Richard. As you can imagine, as a 15 year old girl, I mean, I I think, I don't know. (laughs) So (laughs) I, I, I don't think it was. You know, she was definitely under 20, so wow, probably only, like, 17. Um, so moving on to their marriage slash family life, they had two sons, David and James, and there's a picture, a few pictures of them in general, uh, Sally and Richard and the kids. She looks so pretty. Look at the dress. I know. It's, it's very, very 70s. I know. I like the... Um, the train or like the bottom of it yes oh those are their kids mm-hmm. he looks creepy well yes <laughs> so um their son there, there was a lot of good quotes from the article so i wanted to include a few of those too um their son david said quote that romance went on all her life it seemed very pure now i can look at the age gap for what it meant mom mom Never had a chance to experience any other relationship or form any adult identity of her own. My dad, in the way he behaved, was all she knew. So that's an important piece of context to keep in mind throughout the following events. Just Mm -hmm. because she was 
like mated to him yeah that's such like a gross term but you know like so like pushed together with him in those formative years of Mm -hmm. teenage Um, first loves exactly Mm -hmm. that was the bad side of first loves yeah um so uh sally really did everything at home cooked clean all of the traditional uh homemaker duties and was the administrator for their dad's business which had to deal with cars i believe and David described her as the hub of the family, the main gear that, like, turned the family, which I thought was A car cute. metaphor? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, and when David was 13, Sally got a job with the police federation. And from then on, all household expenses came from her, her income. Hmm. So, meanwhile, Richard bought himself a Ferrari, a Cartier, <laughs> you know a Cartier watch, went to Grand Prix events, and just, like, having a gold, golden time while Sally is paying for everything. What? I know. Wait, how, how could they even afford those things on one salary? I mean, she probably, you know, he might have paid the mortgage and stuff like that, but every, like, if they needed Was groceries or... Huh? Was he working or just having fun? Yeah, no, they, they were both working, but mm-hmm. she definitely had, like, a more lower level job but yeah and then it was just expected that she pay for like the minimal so he could go have fun with his money Uh aha yep so um also david came out as gay at one point and it was an unspoken rule just to not tell richard so it just like was him and his Uh, mom's secret kind of thing oh my god it gets worse Uh. and um Richard just had constant insults and petty rules for Sally. He would call her thunder thighs. He would, if someone complimented her, he would say, you haven't seen her without clothes. (gasps) Oh my gosh, I hate him. I know, he's the worst, truly. Um, He openly pursued other women. He had several mobile phones, which one was found in the spare tire of his car. So he's just like being a shady hoe. (laughs) So quite literally. Um, And here's another quote that just tells you like the, the true victim that Sally was in this relationship. So this is from her friend, kind of her only friend due to Richard's controlling tendencies, but um sarah goodwin says the only thing she talked about was richard it was endless for all the years i knew sally was besotten with him absolutely desperately in love she didn't want to anger or upset him she just wanted to be loved by him Aww. i know did i say besotten right so. Okay. so oh my gosh i know i mean oh gosh i know <laughs> so Sally was pretty isolated. Richard never really approved of her seeing friends alone. Sarah Goodwin, the one who said that quote, was okay just because Richard was friends with her husband first. Like, that's how they met. And she lived far away in Scotland, so they couldn't really talk that much anyways. Mm. Um, so all of these things are signs of how controlling he was, which was is not at this time 
as years to come, it, it hasn't really been recognized as something that victims of domestic violence have um, been validated for. It's more just physical assaults that were like, oh yeah, that's, that's domestic violence. But this shows that right. it's much more than that. And a lot of victims of domestic violence see these patterns of controlling and coercive behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really gaslighted Sally to question her sanity of all of these things that she was completely validated in feeling. Yeah. So just terrible all around. Um, the worst. Really, honestly. So in November of 20, or no, sorry, 2009. So they were married for 30 years. Sorry. Yeah, 30. We, <laughs> not the same. <laughs> I know. We we're not we're not good at this. Okay. Um Sally decided to break away from Richard and buy her own house. So wow. that has to be so hard. I know. Well, it yeah. It, it it takes a lot of strength to walk away from a situation like that, especially when since you're 15, that's all you've known, you know. Yeah, well, and to just be able to like logistically do that, that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think she used money from her, like, an inheritance, 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 you know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, but the, the straw that broke the camel's back was that she followed Richard to a massage parlor one day and later saw a raid of the same place that revealed the women who worked there were trafficked. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I yeah. didn't think he could get any worse. Oh, Yeah. So that was that was what pushed her to get out and, and get her own place. Um, and then she was looking into getting a divorce, but she stopped and started the divorce proceedings 13 times because she kept going back and forth about going through that, which is sad. Um, and then Richard recommended that they could have a fresh start by selling their home and taking a trip to Australia before deciding where to buy a new home. So they were going to reconcile things. Which is so sad for her. Um, but it's okay because there's kind of a happy ending. <laughs> if you think about, you know, murder is happy ending. Um, spoiler alert. But we all know it was heading there. Um, yeah. So. Hopeful- well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Sally they were. Is alive. Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, she, she's alive. She's good. <laughs> okay. um, so they were in the process of reconciling their relationship. Can you hear that? What? My toilet is like running. Okay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you should have said, well, you better go catch it. <laughs> that was bad. That's that's the fact that it's your toilet. Well, does your toilet ever do that? Or is my toilet just 20 years old? Maybe it needs. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. look at that. Okay. So November 20, 2009 was when Sally decided to buy her own house. Fast forward to August 2010, when they're now reconciling or trying to reconcile their relationship. So um, one morning, Richard asked for bacon and eggs for breakfast, so Sally went out to buy that from the store. When she returned, she felt suspicious, like Richard had gotten rid of her on purpose to do whatever he needs to do with his shady dealings. So she checked his phone, and he had just called another woman who he had met through a networking site called Dinner Dates, which I looked up and it looked 
like a legit professional website um, that you would meet like to network with people, not like dinner dates and actually you're just trying to do something more. But um, was it, is it like a professional but, or yeah. dating? No, professionals. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Sally asked him to explain the call and he replied, don't question me. <gasps> so she served him breakfast and as he ate, she took a hammer and hit him more than 20 times. And just to make sure he couldn't breathe, he stuffed a, or sorry, she t- stuffed a tea towel in his mouth. Wow. Yeah. And then. That's a, oh, my gosh. I know. Um, and then she wrapped him up in some old curtains. And I promise that's as gory as it gets. Um, but then I think this is so sad. She wrote a note that said, I love you, comma, Sally. And placed it on his body. Oh my gosh. I know. And then she washed the dishes <gasps> and drove oh. back to her house. I'm glad we're not doing a true crime podcast. I know. <laughs> I know. Okay, so wow. The aftermath of that incident was um the defense her defense team structured her defense as she was very much under Richard's control Mm -hmm. and it was more psychological abuse than physical because the court was like, well, you don't have any bruises, you know, like how can you prove physical or (laughs) which is terrible, obviously. Wait, Um, were they in Australia still? No, they never, they never made it to Australia. Oh, okay. Um, the court didn't really look at their marriage as a whole or Richard's behavior. It just kind of focused on what Sally did, which is terrible. I mean, like, you can't oh, just look I'm at... I'm now looking at this very last picture and that... Of her and her sons. Yeah. Is that a jail suit? No. <laughs> okay. Just her shirt. This looks to be orange. <laughs> we gotta delete that. <laughs> <laughs> um... So back in, like I had mentioned earlier, it's in 20, 2011, it wasn't, it wasn't precedented to look at uh, domestic abuse situations mm-hmm. as more than just physical. Mm-hmm. Um, but that has since changed, which is great. Um, change in her case? Mm, yes. Well, we'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> um, but anyways, she was before we get to that, she was sentenced to 22 years in prison. Well, I, I saw a few differing years of how of her sentence, but she was sentenced to, you know, quite a few years in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, her lawyer talked to her and said, quote, the thing I struggle with when I've talked to Sally is that she has said all along, I still love him and I miss him so much. Um, oh, my God. I I don't even know what to say to this. I know, but I think that just shows how strong the control was that Richard have over her. All all she wanted was to be loved by him. And the last line in the Guardian article was that it seems the only person grieving him was his devoted wife because everyone else didn't like him. So he was terrible. It wasn't like a situation where everybody else loved him and he was just secretly, oh my gosh. Yeah. He wasn't like a pillar of the community. He was actually <laughs> the worst. So, um, some good news. I'm almost done. I guess this wasn't as long as I thought. 
but um, in 2018, she won on a, or she appealed her case on the grounds really? that she endured coercive and controlling behavior and she was granted conditional bail. Um, and the, the f- coercive and controlling behavior domestic abuse was recognized by law in 2015 wow. in England. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was granted a retrial and was set free of charges as of 2019. Yeah. So in the retrial, they said that um, she's good to go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that is so complicated. I know. Um, and I wanted to end this with a national domestic violence hotline number just good in case. Guess anyone could benefit from that. So 1-800-799-7233. And that is the story of Sally and Richard. Oh my gosh. I feel bad that that wasn't any happy thing, but I think it was, it's an interesting lens to look through because Mm -hmm. there's, I guess what we were talking about in the beginning, like you love someone so much you you kill them, but Mm -hmm. it's more of like, you love someone, but you also resent them so much at the same time for all of yeah. the all of the abuse they've put you through. But it's all she's ever known. Yeah, I, and I just was I any of that, or to what extent was her um, like devotion to him, love at all? Like, was there any love, or was it just control? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I know that was a a big sad story, but I, I mean I don't even know what to say. I know. So that last picture um, is her and her sons after she has been out of jail. So, okay. Yeah, I think her sons were very supportive of her the whole time and like helping it's, her through. It's good that she has her sons, and it seems like they have a good relationship. And yeah, was he abusive to the sons? Did it talk about that? It didn't talk about that, but the fact that one of the sons, David, was gay and they didn't tell, yeah, the father. I mean, he's obviously not a good person. Mm-hmm. So, I can only imagine. Yeah. Well, at least they have each other. I know, and I think I hope that she's able to, you know, reflect on how she is better off about him yeah but so sad that she's like feels bad about it i know it's sad that she was compelled to go to that point exactly to have those like persistent feelings afterwards yeah i i felt like there was themes when you were talking maybe i should have taken note because i felt (laughs) (laughs) i i like you were saying things i'm like oh yeah i like see that in my story too but Mm -hmm. i guess like women not being taken seriously for mm-hmm. like valid emotions maybe mm-hmm. but i don't know if that's Both like reach. good and bad emotions yeah and like quote-unquote good and bad behavior yeah and just like it would be a different scenario completely in both of our cases if it was a man doing the same act you know mm-hmm. so yeah i mean my case is definitely a lot different in in terms of like her being uh, her responsibility for the mm-hmm. time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. She was fully conscious of the 
the steps she was taking to shoot that man six times. So. I didn't know it was going to do that. It just goes so off, long. Judge. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, sorry to end on a downer, but um, I I just want to make sure that if anyone is in a similar situation, please mm-hmm. go talk to someone about it or, you know, I hope that there is some avenue to help you in that that yes. regard. Call um, yeah. And we love you. And we love you. <laughs> and next week. Next week we are going back to um, thinking love about happier things in the world. Um, yeah. Do you want our, to say what our topic is for next week? I do. Okay. Next week our theme is international love i am excited i'm mm, i'm glad that we did this one but i'm also glad we got it out of the way i know it didn't feel i know but it's okay it it needed to be said we Uh needed to do it for the true crime people for for the true crime in us you know like we needed to explore (laughs) that that we don't want to do that (laughs) (laughs) now we know that we did it we're moving on Mm -hmm. but it's also a reality and like a statistically like significant Significant. part of relationships that happen in the united states absolutely Mm -hmm. and elsewhere as and elsewhere obviously (laughs) (laughs) and since neither of these happen yeah yeah um and we'll keep going elsewhere next week with international true so, in conclusion, <laughs> um, we are also excited to hear your stories and to tell some of your stories. Yes. So, please, please, please go to smittenpodcast.com and up in the right-hand corner, upper right-hand corner, there's a button that you can c- click to submit whatever kind of story you want. Good, bad, ugly, funny. True crime or not. We're yep. not. We'll we'll put our big girl pants on and and deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it can be a story about romantic love or other kinds of love, friendship open love. To it all. Yep. Um, and follow us on social media at Smitten Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Is that all of them? That's it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> TikTok, not yet, but coming soon, hopefully. Yeah. I love TikTok. We both do, I think. But anyways. <laughs> I, how many times can I mention TikTok? We should Let's keep, keep a tally. That could be a drinking game. <laughs> um, Except neither one of us is drinking. Well, maybe Mostly. we should start. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I Five see why a lot of true crime podcasts are also <laughs> alcohol-related. Yeah. True, true, true. Um, follow us also. You can follow our, our personal social media accounts if you want. Yeah, mine's. <laughs> mine change mine. Mine's no. No, mine. I think it's funny. You do? Yeah, mine is um Kendall Resu. You can figure out how to spell that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Kendall with two L's, A R E S U. Thank you. And, and Kylie's is Kylie with five eyes. <laughs> Kylie spelled the same way as Kylie Jenner and then five eyes. <laughs> is that how you spell Kylie Jenner? Yeah, K Y L I E. Oh. Yeah. I couldn't remember how to spell your name earlier. 
That's or, embarrassing for you. And it's also so embarrassing. Truly tr- really rude. I was like, I before L, I before E, I before I L. <laughs> anyway, I'm embarrassed. Okay, I, I guess it kind of would be the same. Actually, yeah. kind of would be the same if you had the I before the L. Yeah. Anyway, this is our spelling podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Come back next week, and we'll we'll digest. Um, you know, a different word. Digest, <laughs> dissect. Why did I say digest? I just ruined the bit. Thanks. <laughs> if you like our podcast so far you can help us out by sharing it with your friends and your family and reviewing us on apple Podcasts. yeah we appreciate it thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next week with international love thanks bye, bye.